All right, so we're going to stay consistent with the will of sermons uh, this week. And um, because just because Andy can flex his theological muscles, I figured that I can do the same thing, right? Um, so we're going to go ahead and have uh, Emery out. I'm not even going to look at what was, being, what was put up here as well, because this is how, this is how I want to say good I am, in a sense, um, to do this. Um, so if Emery, you want to come up here real quick? I'm just going to, and then you just want to spin the wheel, and then we'll just see what it lands on, and we'll figure it out later. We'll just, we'll just go ahead. Oh. All right, and it is number eight, and let's see what eight landed on. Look at that. Wow. Good job. Emery, I knew you are my favorite. Don't tell Sydney, though, even though we're dressed alike today, so... <laughs> All right, but uh, seriously though, um, this is a message that. So just to be just to just to be totally honest with you, this is a message that's been on my heart for a while. And then um, I, Andy, I had told Andy about three or four weeks ago that this was the one I wanted to do. And then I accidentally kind of told him that I wanted to do it today, which we're going to start off doing the uh, doing. You know, we're going to have different people um, from the congregation come up and, and, and preach as well. And uh, this is kind of what we, this is kind of what I told him a long time ago. And then last week, as we were doing the Will of Sermons, Acts 2 came up. And so we're going to learn about Peter's, we, we saw Peter's, what we would, what a lot of people would say, or even what the church would say at some times, was Peter's successful preaching. Um, and we all know that it is of God. And I thought, and even last year, so remember, this was totally, this was totally the Holy Spirit moving because now we're going to talk about Peter from the beginning of his ministry and what he went through and what happened too. So um, I think that's awesome. And then if we can, um, just because we're up here and because we had students that were leading today, if we could just give them a hand real quick um, as well as... And then I, I can never forget my, my student leaders um, that I have, Darren, who doesn't just look at this point in time as just a volunteer that wants to that wants to just lead, but he's a volunteer that wants to invest. And I would say that for all my volunteers as well. Mr. Jim, that's so joyful in the presence of the Lord all the time that he constantly is seeking him in everything that he does, and he wants to pour out. Miss Luann, who, who offers that nurturing where, it, where, it, where nurturing needs to take place, and, and she also kind of, kind of, you know, she is also very good at just digging into Scripture, dissecting it, and then also telling us a little bit about it as well. Um, and then, you know, I can, I can never forget my wife, who puts up with me for the most part, um, who's just an older youth uh, as well. And she is always there. Um, she is my, you know, God is my discernment, but she definitely kind of outlines it and speaks, a, speaks it or, or kind of holds it to, you know, dumb it down for me sometimes because that's just what I need. Um, she's there to always give me that theological slap um, as well, um, which I love too. So I, I, just, I just thank them so much for leading and thank them so much for investing their time uh, with our students as well. And to know that just this generation, that we have adults that are willing to walk alongside this generation, um, not to tell them what to do, but just to walk alongside them to listen to them. And it's no, and it just embarks that there is no, no, there is no, there's no excuse to, or there's no explanation that we can give to even see that this is also the students that when they graduate, they're willing, or they're, they're able to, to let the Holy Spirit use them to spark revival that we see even now. Um, 
And, and that's why it's no, it's just, there is, there's really no reasoning behind it except for the Holy Spirit that is moving in places like Wilmore, Kentucky, is moving in places like at Cumberland University, where people are graduating from student ministry and then going to these colleges and just feeling God move in the presence and then continuously doing that. And that's the thing I get excited for when I see that. And it's no surprise to me, is what I meant to be saying, there's no surprise to me that we see our God utilizing this generation. And as many times as I, as an older man that just turned 41 this week, um, whew, that sounds weird saying that. <laughs> it is no, it, there's no surprise that that's happening. But even as me, as an, older, as an older person, sometimes says, oh man, they just don't know how to work anymore. They just don't know how to do this anymore. But when I see the revival taking place that's happening in this country, that's happening within these places, there's no surprise that the Holy Spirit can utilize a younger generation like that. And to have adults that are willing to walk alongside them, um, to invest in them, to also see the revival take place um, as well is, is, is such a cool thing. So um, I thank you all for doing that, uh, for those adults that are doing that as well, and for those adults that continue to do that. And hey, if you ever, and then a shameless plug, if you ever want to volunteer uh, with our student ministry, you're more than welcome to come see me. I would love to uh, talk to you about that, and I would love to just introduce you to some of our students as well, um, too. So, um, But just to, say, to stay consistent, we are going to be in Luke 5, 1 through 11, and I figured that, hey, every week we have a little fun uh, in, in our student ministry. We have all sorts of games that we play. We have all sorts of things that we do. And if you know me, you'll know that uh, I, was born, I, I was born in the 80s, but I love, love the 90s. I love the 90s in many different situations, in many different instances. And also, uh, you know, just kind of a, kind of a shameless, uh, you know, guilty pleasure is that I love boy bands as well. Sorry, guys and girls. I know it sounds weird. So I figured as we're playing the Will of Sermons that we would also play Name That Tune Boy Band Edition. So... What I'm going to do is I am going to play a little snippet of some boy bands. I know some of you are, that the students are like, oh gosh, dad, come on. Um, <laughs> so we're going to play some. And then if you could just raise your hand and tell me what boy band that was, um, we are going to uh, go into that. So uh, Maestro, please, if you will, Justin, go ahead and play the first song. Yeah. Chloe, go. That's right, Backstreet Boys. She wasn't even like, she wasn't even born around then, and she already knows it. Man, that's awesome. That's amazing. Parents are raising you right. <laughs> all right, all right, cool. All right, let's go to the next one here. We've been together for a long time, baby. I know some somebody's got to. You have to leave. No, not boys to men. No, not boys to men. It's New Kids on the Block. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Joey McIntyre with that very high range. That's, that's the lead singer right there back then. Now he's a little bit older. Um, got grandkids probably. Um, all right. So, all right. Next one. Go ahead. Motown Philly by Boys to Men. That's right. That's right. Okay. All right. And I think I have, yeah, I have two more. All right. Go ahead. It's tearing up my heart. Will. No, no. In <laughs> sync. Yes. That's right. That's right. In sync, tearing up my heart. How dare you ever say that to In sync fans ever? 
All right. All right. And the next one here. Oh, this, see, this is my son right here saying that. Go ahead. What, who is it? Well, it's Cool It Down by New Edition. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but you're cool, you'll slow it down. Absolutely. So, awesome. Wasn't that fun? Was that fun? Some of y'all went, went, back, went back there? Cool. I like how, like, man, this is cool. Like, some of the generations are kind of intermingling with that, too. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't think hardly uh, some of the younger kids would even try to get that. So, um, But in this, so... Well, the reason, and, and there, I'm just not doing this to have fun. There's actually, there's intentionality behind it as well. Because um, as we look at these boy bands, um, we see that, you know, they were together. They went off on their separate and did their own thing. We know NSYNC birthed uh, Justin Timberlake's success as well. And then eventually, as they get older, what happens? They come back together and they reunite, right? And so... In looking at this, and in, uh, in honor of VH1's Behind the Music, I figured I'd title my sermon Behind the Disciple, um, because last week we learned about Paul's, or not Paul, Peter's, Peter's success in how he preached and what happened, and we saw all those people coming to God, but it wasn't because of him, it obviously was because of God. But it all started, his ministry all started somewhere, and throughout that ministry, he left, he came back, he, he denied everything. But then he got reunited with Christ to see that happen. So as we open up to Luke 5, 1 through 11 today, let's keep that in mind um, because that's what, we want, that's what I want to look at. I want to look at the start of uh, Peter's ministry here. So I'll go ahead and read, and then we'll go into the next part of our sermon here. So um, now Jesus was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and the crowd was pressing around him to hear the word of God. He saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then Jesus sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your word, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught some fish that their, that their nets started to tear. They caught so many fish that their nets started to share, tear. So they motioned to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they were, taught that they were about to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's business partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. So when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. All right. Okay. So as we do every week, um, staying in consistency with this, with what we're doing, like, what does this say about God? What does this say about humanity? What are some truths here for you? Hey, students, and don't be shy. I know we get shy sometimes on Sundays, but don't be shy. What are some, what are some truths here? Truths about God and humanity in this. Some of you are still singing those boy band songs. It's okay. Go ahead, Chloe. Humanity is hesitant to trust. That's what you said? Humanity is hesitant 
to, uh, that's probably wrong, um, to trust. Okay. So, yeah, so humanity is hesitant to trust. And, and where, where, where would you kind of, like, see that in the Bible, or where would you see that in the Scripture? Where, like, um, they said Matthew, worked all day and caught nothing, but people Right, absolutely. So right here in verse 5 here, where Simon answered, Master, okay, I want you all to look at that, too. Um, I want you to look at that, Master, okay? He says, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but at your word I will lower your nets. You see, Humanity is hesitant to trust, and I think that's so true, especially we're so hesitant to trust, and I would be specific to say we're hesitant to trust Jesus a lot of the times. Uh, we would rather look at what, what WebMD says, what Google says, uh, what TikTok says, or anything else other than to go to the Bible, and sometimes prayer is one of the last things that we resort to when it should be the first thing that we resort to or we go to. And so, a lot of the, and so when we see Simon right here, he calls him master, and that's one of the things I love to see there because master, when he says that term, that's not a term that allows him to say, hey, you, you're in charge of me. What it says is that you're better than me, right? And then look at what he says later on or look at what he calls Jesus later on. Go away from me, Lord. Then he recognizes that he is the Lord of our life. You see, in all of this, I think it's such a cool thing to see Peter's, Peter's movement towards Jesus as just being better than him. And then he looks at him and says, you are the Lord of my life. But he looks at him with a sinful heart. He looks at him knowing that there's things that he'd done wrong, knowing that there is a past that he has, but also understanding that Jesus is who he is, and Jesus explains that to him too. That was a good truth. Awesome. What else? Go ahead, Jay Scully. What was that? Man, y'all are like, I came in here with like some application, and that's about it, and then it's just so crazy how, how he, gosh, God goes above and beyond. Y'all are moving straight to it for sure. Um, and beyond. And so, in what, what my boy Jay Scully, his name is Jack. I call him Jay Scully. You get a nickname when you come in the student ministry, so uh, it has to come to me, though. Um, so when we're looking, when, when he's looking at these, he's basically talking about they caught so many, right? They were, they, were, they, were based, they were trying to fish all day or all night. Nothing really, nothing really happened. And so then Jesus says, lower your nets, and then he brings up the nets. And what happens to the nets? They started to what? Started to break, right? So it's going above and beyond what they ever caught before. What Jesus is doing is he is blessing them even after a failure had taken place. Even after there was something where they tried to do everything they could to catch as much fish, as, to catch fish, period. But then Jesus comes and takes that in. And then also, just to, just to put this out there too, this is what Jesus does in our lives. He will bless you just to call you. He will bless you, bless you miraculously to maybe even call you away to walk away from it because that's what, he did to, that's what he did for Peter. He blessed him miraculously just to say, I want you to come with me. And if there was a second thought in Peter's mind to even walk away from that, what did he do to Peter's nets? Tore them. They started to tear. So there could be no excuse as to, wait a minute, wait a minute, but let me get these brand new nets that I just washed. Let me fold them up and put them away. He's like, no, no, no. Peter, you're coming with me because I'm about to make you fishers of men. 
And if there's any excuse ever, the boats also, um, the boats began to sink in some instances. So he's also showing Peter that even though, even though you're washing your nets, even though that's what you're used to doing, that boat isn't even as stable as I am. That boat is not the firm foundation. Those nets are not the firm foundation. I am. So come and let me make you fishers of people. Man, that's good already. Woo, man, that's good. What else? What are some other? What are some other ones? I'm sorry. Is, wait a minute. Let me see. Let me see. I see anybody else. Okay, go ahead, Chloe. God wants us, no matter what our history is. God wants us, no matter what our history is. I'll just say, our, no matter our history. Yeah, absolutely right. When we're looking at um, we're looking at the at the bottom of this verse here, where uh, where Peter answers for Peter, he said, "Go away from me, Lord, for I'm a sinful man." You know, Jesus calls him, and Peter responds with that. I think that's the beautiful thing about that is that Jesus knows your past. Jesus knows that you're a sinner but he still wants you. He's still knocking on the door of your heart. Whether you're going to let him in, that's your decision. And he wants you to do that. And there will be times, in my, especially in my life, that I saw Jesus knocking on the door. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to say, well, if this happens this way and this way and this way, then I'll do it. But see, that's when we shouldn't compromise with our God. And I said this, I, I said this for, with our students on Wednesday, is that if we have the same consideration for Jesus Christ, we should never put ourselves in a situation of compromise. We should never allow ourselves to say, wait a minute, God, if you, need, you need to do this, this, and this, and this in order for me to follow you. The fact is, is that Jesus is... Jesus allows us to follow him. He wants us to follow him. But we have to make that decision to do it. And that decision doesn't come with these compromises that we need, that we need to move, um, that he needs to move a certain way in order for us to follow him. And that's the beauty of following him. Because he guides our every step. He allows us to be guided by him. Awesome, good truth. What else? Go ahead. He draws near to the broken entirely, right? God draws near to the broken. You said the broken and entire, right? Absolutely, man. Woo! <clears throat> I love. I love that. I love that truth because as we look in here, where we see um, the first part of it. Uh, uh, okay, let's see here. Yeah, here it is. Okay, we see right here where he saw. Where it says we saw he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. Um, they were tired. They had been fishing all night, um, as Peter says it before. When he says, 
you know, he said, we work hard all night and caught nothing, but at your word, I will lower the nets. These guys have been fishing. These guys have been consistently trying to catch something. And that's what, that was their livelihood. That was how they made money. So they were tired. They were broken. So they were tired because they had been doing it all night, no sleep. They were broken because they came up short. And God still drew near to them. And I want you to notice also what he did is when he drew near to them, some of them were washing their nets. Some of them saw the crowds going around Jesus, pushing and getting up to him because they wanted to hear him preach. And they were washing their nets. Some of them decided, when I say that, some of them decided not even to pay attention as to what was going on. And some of them were just washing their nets because that's just what they know to do. They're like, hey, look, we didn't catch anything, so we're just going to go do the same thing the next day. And then when Jesus comes and he does things out of that norm, out of that, out of that tradition that they're used to doing, he comes and he, he, he stirs things up a little bit to where it allows them to seek, it allows them to have no other excuse but to look to him, but to follow him. And isn't that funny how we will just continue, like when we fail, we will look to say, okay, we'll try something new. And we will do all of that as opposed to ever go to God. Sometimes I know that's, that's in my nature, as to if it didn't fit, so I'm going to do something else. As opposed to sit down and really reflect on God's word and see that. Because when we, when we are tired, when we are broken, that is when we need to seek him. As opposed to continuously just watching our nets saying, hey, there's something else I want to try. As opposed to saying, man... I'm going to do this because this ain't working for me. And with that, I would be the one to challenge you and say, let's try Jesus as opposed to trying something else. Let's allow Jesus, let's give that to Jesus as opposed to doing a different, as opposed to doing a different way. Oh, that's good. That's awesome. What else? Go ahead, Ken. God is always astonishing. At work, even to unbelievers. Something like that, right? Yeah, we'll do that. Okay. <laughs> God is always at work. So uh, what, what specific verse were you looking at when you saw that, Ken? Yes. And all who were with him. I love that. Um, because for Peter and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. So in, in, in knowing that God is always astonishing, even when he's at work, even to unbelievers, when there's people that, that can't really think of, a, of, an, of an excuse or maybe of a reasoning or maybe that's what, a lot of times that's what we'll search for. We'll search for an excuse. We'll search for a reasoning. We will look for explanation as opposed to ever give that explanation to Jesus Christ. And, and we would be so, and then there's even sometimes we're so astonished in that. 
And even when there's people who don't believe, there's still, Jesus Christ can still allow for things to be astonishing. And he's simply at work doing what he's doing. And, and I say all this to say that if I can give you some more context in this too, is that, is that Peter, prior to this, was walking around seeing Jesus perform these miracles. As a matter of fact, Peter's mother-in-law was also, was also someone who received one of Jesus' miracles as well. And as he was walking through them, he just chose not to believe this time. He was probably, and, and this is probably me reading more into it, but he was probably looking at this saying, oh, she just got better because she did this and she did that and probably put some, uh, put some essential oils on or whatever it may be, I don't know. Um, and, and, and in looking at that, and not that I'm making fun of you for essential oils or anything like that, but I'm just saying that, you know, sometimes we will look to remedies more than we will ever look to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of explanation that we will try to give as opposed to ever look to the fact that Jesus Christ can lead us to things. Jesus Christ allows these things to happen. Jesus Christ allows this mirac- this, all of these miracles to happen. And they're still astonishing. But whether we give that astonishment to the things, or are we going to give that astonishment to Jesus Christ? And I think that's the beauty of seeing Peter fall down and saying that he's a sinful man, is him recognizing that he's a sinner, and that he's, but he's coming to Jesus with it. And then also giving the glory of what happened, knowing that he was an unbeliever, and saying, this is of you. And then Jesus taking him from all of his success, even after failing, and saying, come with me, I will make you fishers of men. And it's not, and then, you know, and when Peter did that, he didn't come into that situation thinking, oh man, hold up, he's going to make me a senior pastor, I'm going to be making millions of dollars and do all this other stuff. No, he knew what was going to happen because he left his livelihood behind. And it wasn't until later, much later, after much turmoil, after much, you know, even, even after scandalous events that happened where he denied Jesus, that he saw the fruit of that very day. So I say this, church, sometimes when we are following him and we know, we're fo- and we know that this is, this is the decision that we need to make, There is no amount of success that is going to happen immediately sometimes. It will take some time. It may take some some rolling around. It may take some, some Jesus wrestling with us at times. But it's the simple fact of following him and continuously following him and knowing that he is Lord and knowing that he is the Lord of your life. But the one question I would have to say is that if you're toying with that, what are you waiting for? If you're saying, well, you know, there's there's so much astonishment that I want to give to Jesus Christ, but there's no astonishment in my life. There's no miracles in my life. Still, what are we waiting for in following him? How are we allowing ourselves to be used? And then in the same sense, if you have accepted Christ, how are you allowing yourself to be used by him? 
What are you doing to make sure that he is the Lord of your life and not the things that you do or the things that you're working on? But how is he the Lord of your life? Good. Awesome. Sure. Yes. Yes, absolutely. God has never said oops. Yeah. So what you're saying is that, you know, Jesus knew how to speak to them. He knew, he, he knew what was going to allow them to say, hey, 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 wait a minute. This is Jesus the Christ. This is the person. Um, but also, he kind of knew that, you know, when I say, when I say this before, and I, you probably correct me if I'm wrong here, Ken, when I say this before, like, he helped them understand that that boat is not the bane of their existence. Those nets are not the bane of their existence. So he tore the boat, he tore, he tore the nets, and he allowed the boats to sink because he said, hey, there is so much better, there's so many things better out there for you, and I'm going to make you the fishers of men. Is that kind of where you're going with? Yeah, yeah. So when we're looking at that, we're seeing, we're seeing how he speaks to them and how he knows how to talk to them. And then also, Peter receiving that message. Peter not just looking at it saying, oh, that's just so-and-so, or that's just this, or giving an excuse for it, but allowing, those things, but allowing Jesus to talk to him and allowing him, to, and allowing him to receive it and then following him in that too. I think that's such a good thing. And then that's such a cool thing to see, um, to see even... You know, when we talk about what's going on at Asbury, what's going on at Cumberland, all the, you know, all these revivals that are sparking out with our younger generation, I think, you know, in knowing that Jesus is speaking to them as well and how he's speaking to them. And, and you know, I'm looking this up and, you know, and even, even sometimes I can be a skeptic, I can be a little bit of a Pharisee and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, but how do we know, you know, this is? And I think in a certain sense it's okay to do research, but at the same time, you know, when I'm looking at some of the research and I'm reading some of the articles and how I'm reading how some of the churches are stepping out saying, hey, well, you know, if you want me to speak, um, or, or some, of the, some of these uh, worship artists are saying, wait a minute, if you want me to lead, and then kudos to the president of Asbury University who's saying, no, let these students worship the way the Holy Spirit wants to move in them. Let the Holy Spirit move. And I would challenge parents, I would challenge adults, I would challenge intergenerations to do the same exact thing. That when the Holy Spirit is moving within your family, when the Holy Spirit is moving within your, within your students, within your kids, let the Holy Spirit work. Let them do their thing. Don't give excuse to it. Don't give excuse to saying, well, you know, no, no. Let the Holy Spirit work and listen and talk and walk alongside them. Because there's no other greater thing than to have another generation walk alongside a younger generation and seeing God move together. That's the beauty of it. And that's the beauty of seeing Jesus, the Holy Spirit, move in other generations and walking with them and talking with them and allowing them to be heard as well. Let's allow our students to be heard and sometimes, to be honest, as an adult who has, um, who has, a, who has some younger kids, one of them who is a middle schooler, 
it's hard for me, for me, to hear some of the truths that they have to say sometimes. Some of the truths, not, and I'm not talking, and I'm, ta- and I'm not talking about truths that they have to say simply about, about what's going on in their life, but even truths about me. Dad, you're not listening. Dad, you're not, you're, you know, Dad, you're talking too much. And I say, wait a minute, boy. Well, because the entitlement that I have as his, as his father sometimes weighs more than the grace that I need to have in understanding that I'm a sinner. And so when we are in these situations, I would say, look at what's happening. Look at how Peter humbly went to Christ, even after, the astoni- even after he was astonished. And he just said, man, whew. Lord Jesus, he's like, I'm a sinner. So let's come to him with that same concept of knowing that we're sinners. When our, when our students tell us something and we hear them and we listen to them, may we come to them with that, same, with that same ability to do that. Now, I'm not saying that we totally bow down to disrespect. I want to be honest with you because we can't, you know, we can't just bow down to disrespect, but I'm saying that we listen to what is being said and we talk and we walk with them through it. And I will be totally, and, and if I could do anything, and if I could just stress one thing, and, and I'm not a parent who knows anything or any, anything and everything, but I'll tell you this. There's a one thing I value more just as a youth pastor. It's parents that consistently pray with their students. That's the one thing that needs to happen, and they need to hear those prayers. Don't just do it and say, I'm praying for you. But get down on your knees with them, talk with them, and pray with them, and allow them to voice their prayers to you. We need to take time to do that. Because Jesus took time to talk with these fishermen, to walk with these fishermen, to hear these fishermen's needs and what was going on. And look what he did. He blessed them just to call them out to follow him and into his ministry. A blessing that wasn't looked at with all of this, all of the lights and the glamour and the smoke screens or anything like that, but a blessing that is just that, a blessing. And so I say that because some of these revivals that are breaking out here uh, that we see that are within this younger generation, i just be honest with you, there is no smoke screen. There is no, not even any words on the screens even um, from what I understand um, at Asbury, there was at one point in time, and then they're, they're just, as they were continuing on, they're just continuously going, and they're just praying, and they're testifying, and, 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 they're, and they're worshiping. And that is the true testament of what God is doing. So, absolutely. And I, I got to say, as I, as I was talking about being truthful, and then sometimes, the, the, you know, our kids' truths can hurt. I'm about, to, I'm about to call on my student right now, on my, my son, who's going to give me a truth that may hurt. So, just let you know. Be prepared. All right, go ahead, Each. <laughs> yes, yeah. Jesus' message is urgent. Absolutely, and I would say that that as Jesus is calling you, as Jesus is working on your heart, as Jesus is is 
as you're walking in that light as well, that there is an urgency to follow him. And I think even when we look at, our, at, at this generation that's, that's sparking revival, even as we're looking at our students now, I would say this to you students as well, Jesus' message is urgent. He doesn't want you, and I would say this to everyone, Jesus' message is urgent. He doesn't want you to hold on to all the words that he gives you. He doesn't want you to hold on to all the things that he shows you in the Bible. What he wants you to do is he wants you to, to reach others with that message. We don't, need to have a, 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 we don't need to have a Bible degree. We don't need to have a Bible teaching degree to do that. He wants to give you those words so that way you can share with others. And it's a beautiful thing when that happens. He doesn't want the church, and I would say the organization of the church, to be the catch-all, be-all of the net. What he wants you to do is be the church and go out and spread the gospel, spread the things that he's teaching you, talk with others, pray with others that we're supposed to be doing, and then walk with them. And don't just pull this, um, I tell the students all the time, don't just pull the whole uh, pray with you, or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray for you culture. How, how about we do the pray with you as well? Because a lot of times when we say pray for you, a lot of times that can stop right then and there. But let's do it right then and there. Let's pray for one another right then and there and let people hear our prayers because it's valuable, it's necessary, and it's exactly what Jesus did for his people and others. For his people and others. So how are we going to challenge ourselves to do the same thing? How are we going to reach others with urgency not the urgency that says, hey, you need to be saved now. The, I would say not the urgency of a decision, but with the urgency knowing that you love someone and want to see someone go to heaven. Because if we're too busy focused on a decision, people can make, in, in the urgency of a decision, people can make the decisions for all the wrong reasons. But how are we focused on the urgency of seeing people go to heaven? seeing people accept Jesus, seeing people's lives radically changed for Jesus Christ. That's what we need to do. And that starts with a relationship. A relationship that we have with him to know that we are going to stress the importance and urgency with others as well. What else? Oh, go ahead. God's plan for our lives is better than anything we can imagine? Yeah. Yeah. We can imagine. Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, when we see the, the fishermen and how they look at at what, you know, and how they look at how, what a better life is, a lot of times it would probably look as if they had a lot of fish right then and there, right? We see that that's what, that was their life. That was their life 
um, as a fisherman. They wanted to make sure they had fish. Why did they want to make sure they had fish? Well, one, so they can, they can you know, eat, and then another one, so they can eat, because they wanted to make money to eat, and then they also wanted to have fish to eat too, right? Um, no difference. So when they saw a better life, they saw lots of fish in their life. And to, to see a failure happen overnight as they're constantly pushing, as they're constantly pushing against the walls. And some of us are doing the same thing now. We're constantly just running against the same wall, running against the same wall with a neighbor that we're trying to reach for Jesus. There, we're probably, there, there are probably some other things where we're at work and we're running into all these walls, all these obstacles. Um, there's probably some things with some friends where we keep running into some obstacles here and there because we want to be friends with someone. Or even in our marriage, there's all these obstacles but yet God's plan in our lives is better than anything we can imagine so with all of that are we planning are we making those arrangements are we giving those arrangements to Jesus and that's the beauty of letting him lead because all those arrangements are just that. There are arrangements. There are plans. But how are we giving those plans to Jesus? How are we giving those plans to God? How are we abiding him in that? And when I say abiding, I'm saying follow him, listening to him, being obedient in what he tells us to do. How are we doing that? Because we can try to do all sorts of different things. We can try to do all sorts of different things. We can, we can try, to, try to do this for our lives and, and, and try to make money here and try to, and try to pursue this and, and do all this. But if, it was, but if it is without God, it is null and void. Because he has a plan for our lives that is better than anything we can imagine. Anything and everything. As a matter of fact, just like Adam was saying, I think I left it off, it's the best plan for our lives. What plans are we making that we're giving to God? What plans are we going to give to God, I should say? Good. All right, maybe we got time for two more here before we wrap it up here. Chloe? All right. Oh, I'm sorry, did I see somebody over here? Wait a minute, Chloe. Oh, right, there you go, Luann. All right. Yes, absolutely. Humanity, I would say this, humanity is afraid of God. I know some of you are going like, what? And I would say a truth for God is he doesn't want us. Uh, he doesn't want us to be afraid. As a matter of fact, he commands us not to be afraid. So I think that's, that's so good um, because, you know, humanity, as, as humanity, as even, and I can attest to this, we're always afraid. We're afraid to follow God because sometimes we may say, hey, you know, you don't understand. If I make this decision, people will look at me a certain way. People will judge me. People will constantly have their eyes on me all the time. And, and, and so 
that's what, that's what I'm afraid of. And we see God over and over and over in the Bible say, do not be afraid. If this is a decision that you don't want to make because you're scared, I am going to look strictly in the Bible and tell you, do not be afraid. This is probably one of the best decisions that you can make, that you, that you will make, is trusting him. But don't be afraid. Those aren't the words that are coming from me. Those are the words that are coming strictly from God and his word. Because the fright is coming from all the things that we feel that we don't measure up against. But God wants to take those from you, including that fear. That's why he says, don't be afraid. In, in, in looking at Peter's life right now, he was afraid. He was afraid because why? He thought all the things that he grew up knowing and grew up trusting, those were the things that were right. But Jesus came and he wiped all of that clean to know that it is him. It's not those traditions. It's not those, it's not those other excuses that you keep giving. It's not all of that fear. It is me and I am going to show you and I'm not going to give you a way to turn back. So in that very instance, Peter's mind is going back when he recognizes himself as a sinner. And I never trusted you. And he feels guilty for that. And he feels afraid because of it. He's probably thinking, man, I should have listened to you the first time. I should have seen all this and known Jesus. And I'm scared that if I come to you, I'm going to get in trouble. But see, that's the beauty of a father. Is that when something is done, you go to him as opposed to being afraid of him. I think the same thing about my kids. Is that I want to be the father that when something goes wrong, I want them to come to me. I don't want them to hide it. Peter saw something that was wrong in what he was doing. And he went to Jesus. And Jesus said, don't be afraid. If you are holding on to all of that stuff and you are scared, no, Jesus wants you to come to him. He invites you to come to him with that. Don't be afraid. He invites you to come to he invites you to come into a place of community. He invites you to come to, to come to your to come to your brother who knows him as well. He's saying, come. Don't be afraid. We can trust in the world as much as we can, but Jesus invites us to come to him. Don't be afraid. Miss Chloe, head on. Yes, we shouldn't. So this is more of an application portion of it. But yes, so you said we shouldn't what? Um, or I said, I, I texted her this this week, so. <laughs> we should not surpass the mind God's design for the life he gives you. 
yeah, we shouldn't, so we shouldn't let the past, I'm, I'm, I don't even re- remember my own advice here, so we shouldn't let the past define. Basically, we shouldn't let the, pan, the past define us. Um, and a lot of times what we'll do, especially in Peter here, when he looked at him, when he looked at Jesus and he came to Jesus and he recognized himself as a sinner, he recognized that because that's exactly what he was doing is he was letting the past define him, right? And that's what Jesus doesn't want us to do. That's why he does say, don't be afraid, because he doesn't want us to live in the past, let the past define us. And, and, and sometimes I look at that in a sense too, because I did that a lot in my life. I had a past that was rugged. I had a past that was, that was, that was dirty. And a lot of the times I let the past define what was going on in my life. I said, there's no way I can do this because I used to do this. There's no way I can trust Jesus because I used to be an alcoholic. There's no way that I can focus on who Jesus is because there was substance in my life that I trusted way more than him. But that's all a lie. Because that's Satan's way of telling you that you are no better to trust him. And that's why Jesus says, do not be afraid. That's why Jesus allows us to follow him. That's why Jesus wants us to make that decision to follow him. That's why we need to follow him. And just some more application in that. And just some questions that I have for you today. Am I washing my nets because I'm choosing not to listen? Or is that all I know to do? If I can say something else very nicely is that, or, or very, I guess very nicely is, let's stop washing our nets and let's start following Jesus. As the fishermen were washing their nets and, and some of them were choosing to tune out what was going on and tune out what was happening with the crowds, let's stop washing our nets because we're choosing to not listen to Jesus and let's listen to what's happening. Let's get away from all the noise and let's listen to what he has to say. And if all you know to do is to continuously wash your nets and do the same thing over and over and over, then I invite you to learn about him. I encourage you to find out more. I encourage you to ask questions and seek people to help you Figure that stuff out. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have, that's why we have an organization of people who are here to lift up his name. And not that you have to be a leader to small, not that all the leaders of our small groups know all the answers or anything like that. Not that I know all the answers because I'll be the first to tell you I don't. But let us walk alongside you in trying to figure that out as well. Let us pray with you. Let us do life with you. And I challenge you that if that is you, if you're someone who's like, you know, who is is in that sense where like, look, I can't really reach out to anyone or or I can't really do that um, in a sense because that's just not the way I'm designed, then I challenge you to start off doing it one word at a time, even if it means I'm praying for you. And then let it go more and more to where, hey, Anything specific, I can pray for you. Let me, and, then, and then who knows? It may graduate to 
hey, we're going to pray right now. And let's not let the awkwardness define all of that because let's just be honest. Sometimes it can be, right? You could be in one of those situations where you're praying for someone and then someone else comes along the side and you're like, wait a minute, we're praying right now. We can't really do this. But hey, it's okay. Those awkward situations are there. Jesus allowed for an awkward situation to happen right here, especially when we're looking at these guys that are fishing all night who are failing and then he's like, boop, drop your net over here. And then it happens. He's like, oh, okay, all right, cool. Well, let me figure this out. Let me figure this out. And so sometimes those awkward situations are exactly what Jesus calls us to so we can learn to trust him. And don't let the identity of what you do take over your life. Let Jesus take over your life. He's, he equips us. He allows us to be equipped. Let him take over our life and do that. And I say this because my job as a student pastor is not to bring up many pastors. My job as a student pastor is to walk alongside parents and also walk alongside our students and to help them understand what their gifts are and what, what, what God has equipped them with so that way they can go out into the workforce and not only do their job that allows them to be identified as that job, but to also be a reflection of who Jesus is in their life. So whether they want to be a trash man, a mechanic, a, 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 you know, a, a sign spinner, which a lot of students love to do that, by the way, um, or anything like that, that they are doing it to glorify God in every aspect of their life. That's what we're here for. And that's what we should be doing as well as parents, as adults, who are investing in the, in the next generation. And another question I have is, am I holding on to the miraculous success that Jesus gave me, or am I simply following him? Like I said, Jesus tore their nets for a reason. He started sinking their boats for a reason. He didn't want to give them an excuse to go back. But you know what's funny? If you look at Peter's life after the crucifixion, after Jesus was crucified, after he was put in the tomb, what did he do? He went back. Jesus wants you to move forward. Now, there's going to be times where there is going to be some setbacks, and I think that's true to that. I think it's true to that, and that's also why I kind of brought up uh, the bands that break up, and then they, you know, they have all of these minor setbacks here and there, some of the people individually. But he wants them to, but, you know, and ultimately they get back together, and they get reunited. And they may not sound the same, they may not look the same, but sometimes we have a memory of that band, Right? that sticks with us. Jesus wants you to continuously walk with him. There may be some setbacks here and there, but he's always going to be there. He always wants you to walk with him. And he wants you to be guided by him. May we look at those setbacks to know that he will always be there. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will always be there. And when we look at the boats and the nets that we want to hang on to sometimes, may we open those 
Or may we have open hands with that to know that it's all Jesus's. It's all his. Let's not hold on to the things that we, let's not hold on to the blessings. But let's have open hands with them and lift Jesus up as well. And the last thing I would like to say in in application, last question, challenging question here is, are we giving God the platform? Are we coming to him with open hands? Are we coming to him with closed fists? How are we giving God the platform today? Are we allowing Jesus to use our boats just to show us how they can be sunk? Because if that's the case, that's an amazing thing. Because if that's the case, he wants you to follow him even more. How are we allowing God to be the platform in our life? I want you to think about these things. And not in a manner of, not in a manner of just thinking about them to let them, let them resonate, but truly thinking about that. Because if there's anything that we understand and know, it's that Jesus wants you. He's knocking on the door of your heart. Whether you don't know who he is, whether you don't know anything about him and you want to know more about him, he wants you to know. He wants you. You just have to be willing to accept him. And then the next thing I would like to say is, and if you're sitting there saying, I know who Jesus is. I have all of this stuff that I want to do. I have all of this stuff. Give that to God. Let God design that. Let God be, let, allow God to design all of that so he can give you an opportunity to worship him, to praise him with what he has in mind for you. So in all of this, some of us need to step out of our comfort zone and follow him. Some of us need to step out of our comfort zone and walk into the calling that he's chosen for you. But all of that starts with trusting him abiding in him, and being obedient in him. And as we look to this, I'm going to challenge you to really seek God in your prayer. That if someone is on your heart, challenge you to pray with them, challenge you to reach out to them, challenging you to offer community where community needs to take place. Offering you community to step into faith where that step needs to be taken. But don't allow yourselves to be talked out of it. If anything, allow yourselves to ask questions, explore that, and talk with someone about it. Don't just let it linger because we don't have that time to let it linger. But we do have time to talk about it. And as the band comes up, and we have, uh, we'll have some, some, uh, some staff and some staff wives here to, uh, here to offer prayer, where if that's, something, if that's something that resonates on your heart, or if you feel 
that you need to pray. You feel like you just need to get some things out. Challenge you to do that. But remember, are we washing our nets because we're choosing not to listen? Or are we washing our nets because we have no clue what to do? And that's why we're here as a community to pray for you on that and to walk with you on that. Let us pray. God, as some of us are here and we're exploring who you are, and some of us are here and we're still trying to figure out where you have us in this beauty of life or even in this mess of life, but may we be challenged to walk away from a miraculous, worldly blessing to follow you. Some of us in here have never made that decision to follow you. Some of us in here have never even made that decision to walk in you or walk in your calling, God. And I'm and as we go into this time of prayer, may you allow them to move. And I'm not talking about a physical movement where, where we're walking up or anything like that, but may if that and if that happens. May we as a church receive that. May we as a church be encouraged to pray with that. And at this point, if there's prayer partners that are here, may you equip them with the right words to say. And some of us may just want to do business with God God, and may just want to kneel down at the front. May you allow some encouragement for that. But may it all be done of you, not of anything that we can do humanly, but what you can do miraculously, God. I thank you so much for this time that we get to worship you, that we get to praise your name, and may we never leave knowing that this is null and void, but may we leave this place challenged, appreciative of who you are, and most important, knowing who you are. And I'm asking all this to be done in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.